The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. In our second reading today, St. Paul, writing to the Romans, asks them a question that he certainly knows the answer to. Are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death. For us today, when we think of baptism, we typically think of infants being baptized We don't think of death being part of the ceremony. We think rather of life and of joy. A nice white gown, the family gathered together, pictures and videos, oftentimes a cake or a meal gathering afterwards. It's an occasion of great joy. And yet, St. Paul seems to point out and to indicate a very clear reality that when a person is baptized, they are baptized into death. The effects of baptism, we know, are first and foremost to introduce us into the body of Christ. As St. Paul worded it himself, you were baptized into Christ Jesus. So we become members of his body, members of the body of Christ, the church. We become children of God as our opening prayer today alluded at Mass, that we have been adopted by the good Lord. And certainly the effects that we rejoice in most That we are cleansed from our sin, that thing that keeps us from God. And we are given supernatural grace, the life of God planted within us, that permits us to participate in the life of God here and now. And ultimately one day we pray to be joined with him forever in heaven. And so we have these gifts that are bestowed at the sacred baptism. But for us today, it's important to recognize that oftentimes what we see in baptism is different than what Christians in Paul's age experienced and saw in baptism. Again, in our current day, most frequently, people are baptized as infants in the Catholic Church. From time to time, there will be an adult or a young person who comes into the church and receives baptism, but even then, uh, very often it's still only by a pouring of the water rather than a full immersion. In Paul's day, it was normative that adults would typically be the ones to be baptized because they were the ones first hearing the gospel. It was common for adults to be baptized 
uncommon, essentially, for children. The reality is that children were ultimately kind of brought into the fold after the parents were first received. But additionally, the baptism was done by full immersion. The word baptism comes from the Greek word that means immersion. It's being immersed in the water that was key. In the early church, baptism looked quite different than what we ourselves experience it for today. Again, at that time, it was frequently an adult, a person of, of the age of reason who was coming, and said so it would come after having been instructed for, for weeks or for months very often, sometimes years. They would be prepared <coughs> excuse me, for the day of their baptism, and they would go to the church. Many places in the world have uh, the baptism font is separate from the church. It's in a, an entirely different room or even a building called the baptistry. Uh, often on the side of the church, sometimes connected uh, by a door, a pathway. Uh, and so what would happen traditionally is that person would go, and they would go in their regular street clothes, and then they would take off all of their clothing. They would be immersed in the water, fully immersed in the water. Uh, the words of, of the profession of faith would be offered Baptism would be given in the name of the Most Holy Trinity, and the person would exit from the other side of the pool, and they would be given a white garment, new clothing, uh, to put on as a sign of being a new person. And so with that symbolism, it's important for us to, to recognize that, that that is indeed the reality that took place. That a person left behind who they were. They didn't go get baptized and then go back and put on their old clothes they were baptized and the old stuff was left behind. And this is where we see also the reality of being baptized into his death. Is we know that Christ Jesus came among us, but he, he died for us. He died once for sin, Paul says. But then he was resurrected. A glorified body. The new man. The one who would shortly afterwards ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And it's we ourselves in baptism who imitate that same reality. That a person would go and they would be immersed fully in the water as if they were being buried. The man or woman that walked in died in the water. A new person rose on the other side. A different individual. Someone who had been claimed for God. A son or daughter of Christ that was not the one who entered the water. We get this reality actually from our Jewish brothers and sisters who, interestingly enough, also had a baptism that they would do when people would enter the Jewish religion. We don't often hear about that one. But there was a baptism that even the Jews recognized. A washing clean, a starting over, a joining again. And in the Jewish faith, actually, they would go to, they, they would, to emphasize this newness of life. That if, if an individual had children already, when they were baptized afterwards, the, the first child born after the baptism would be called their firstborn child. Because it was a new person. This is how much the Jewish people understood that baptism really was a beginning again. A something new. And even more for us as Christians. For them it was more symbolic. For us it's a reality that actually changes us. The old man, the old person, the old life 
is to be left behind. They have died, and a new person has arisen. We are to be fundamentally different afterwards. When an adult receives baptism, usually we can see something of that reality. Sometimes they'll even take new names. This is why we have names often given for baptisms. The simple reality is that in an adult, we can sometimes see this, uh, this symbolism take place more prominently. But what for us, whose common experience of baptism is as infants? It's not as if an infant is living a life of, of sin, you know? They're not going out and being wild and partying in the streets. They're not, they don't have any grave personal sins that they need to account for. They seem rather pure and innocent. So with a washing of water, it seems from the eyes, what really has changed? What conversion has happened? It's not as if they become entirely different, it seems. But the reality is that they have. That a child baptized still is radically different than what they started as. Something entirely new has taken place within them. And this sometimes can be a difficulty for us as Catholics. If we wait till we're adults and then we experience conversion, then we, then we have an encounter with Christ that changes us and transforms us, and then we were to receive baptism, there would be a clear distinction between pre-baptism and post-baptism very often. There's something different about them now. But for us who have already received baptism, the ultimate call is to seek to live that baptism out ever more fully. It's perfectly understandable, and it's a reality in many cases, of people who are baptized, but they never have an encounter with Christ. That they never receive the goodness of the mercy of God in true understanding. They haven't understood in the depths of our heart what is the love of God for them as an adopted child of the Father. They may know some Catholic things through their catechism class if they go, but it's understandable that a person can be baptized but not really alive in the faith. We must put our baptism into action. And this is what St. Paul calls us to. A daily living of our baptismal call which comes in two forms, being dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. To be dead to sin, which is namely that the old man would die, that the old part of us would die, that the sinful part of us would die, and that something new would continue to arise as if from the other side of the font. Though we may not experience the baptismal conversion later in life, we can still experience a genuine conversion, that something can still happen within us that transforms us by an encounter with God. So each of us are called to live our baptismal call to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, to avoid evil and to do good. And this isn't some kind of generic, general thing like a, a nice thought. It's supposed to be eminently practical. There's supposed to be something changing in us. To that end, I would invite you to reflect upon two questions. First, what sin are you currently actively working to root out in your life? 
What is it that's happened in your life? What is it that a thing that you do or that you think of that you experience on a regular occasion that you're trying to get out, to root up, to be freed from? And secondly, what virtue are you seeking to put in its place? This is what it means to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And it means that we are actively pursuing perfection in our soul. That we're actively pursuing that continued conversion of our heart that allows sin to be set aside and something new, something of God's life to increase within us. Usually these two questions and their answers correspond to one another. Every sin has its opposing virtue to build us up in its place. One may want to set aside pride and seek to grow in humility, to set aside selfishness and increase in generosity, to set aside lust and pursue chastity, gluttony and pursue temperance, anger and to seek mercy, indifference and to show love. A whole variety of things that can happen within us and far more than this list would indicate. And it's to recognize that it's our task, not to simply uh, to be content with being called Christians and to come and to do the things that we do a, on a normal basis, simply to, to turn to God in prayer, but not, to, not to, to do the work of the soul, to allow that prayer to become even more fruitful in us. And so it's this that we're called to. We who have been baptized are indeed something new. Whether we received it later in life or received it before we could even say a word, the reality is the same, that something new has been worked in us, that we are changed, we are transformed, because we are Christ's. As we offer this Holy Mass today, it's an opportunity for us to rejoice in the gift of our baptism, to rejoice in the gift of being members of the body of Christ, freed from our sin and able to allow the life of God to continue to increase and to grow virtue within us. We pray ultimately that the fruits of our baptism, that that new life which is promised to us here and now, might find its fulfillment in the glory of the kingdom.